Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, I'm Brother Ali. Fight Diggy, Tribe Call Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles P the Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong, yeah. What's going on? Welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Martin Bauman. And today, one of Canada's most talented young producers and MCs is on the show. If you don't know the name, you've definitely heard his production before. My guest today is the man responsible for Chaos's I Wish I Knew, Natalie Portman. And he played a role in Drake's rise to superstardom with production on his breakout comeback season mixtape. He earned a Juno nomination for his joint album with Sunreal as The Closers. And now he's working on his debut solo album that will be engineered, mixed, and mastered by Jay-Z's longtime engineer, Young Guru. He also recently put out a collaborative album with local legends Adam Baum and Tona as Naturally Born Strangers. Yes, today I'm talking to Rich Kid. I caught up with Rich Kid backstage at the Starlight as he joined JD Era for a show in Waterloo. We talk about Naturally Born Strangers, learning from Young Guru, the importance of earning local respect, and lots more. Take a listen. Naturally Born Strangers just came out. Tell me about how that project came together. Uh, the project came together. It was really an inception of uh, Brian Espiritu from Legislately Clothing. Um, we've been like, you know, we've been homies for a while. I respect his art. I respect his clothing, his his mind, his like poetry. Everything is dope. And um, he he sponsors me. Like he he definitely gives me free clothes and likes, you know, what I mean, just likes what I'm doing. So we always been close like that. And um, he came to the he came to me with an idea of trying to release a line with simultaneously with some music like doing a mixtape with it so originally it was going to be just me spitting and then i i uh he he asked me if i would like to do it with tona because you know tona is another revered lyricist mc from from the city of toronto so um i was just like yeah it sounds dope but you know what about what about adam bomb i i think i pitched him thought of just putting adam bomb on there and he was like yeah bomb's dope like bomb like you know Bomb is the next MC that he he's lyrically like I don't think there's anybody in the city even touching him like the way his his bars flow is just it's just it's like how do you do it like you wish you wrote it kind of stuff so I was like and I never worked with Bomb on like a project before I worked with Tona on plenty of other projects like Silver Spring Crescent and and other stuff like that so yeah we 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 tried we got in contact with Bomb he was down obviously because Bomb you know yeah and it's kind of known like Bomb is like he doesn't give a fuck about rap anymore. Like, you know what I mean? He's been through his crews. He's been with Empire, been with, you know, Mosaic Music, with, with Mayhem and them back in the day. So, you know, he kind of had the jaded mind of, you know what I mean, not really, like, you know, wanting to MC no more. But I feel like it re- this whole kind of project maybe rejuvenated it, made him want to wanna, wanna go in on it. So, you know, I, I sent um, Brian and Spirit to some beats. I sent him a pack of, like, 20 beats. He picked, like, you know... 15 out of them or 16 out of them and um he came up with like the concepts and the ideas for some of the joints like he even had names for for what he wanted to name the songs already so we basically just built it around that like you know what i mean the certain topics the certain things he wanted to hit we wrote tracks to uh to to those names and tried to 
come with those same ideas. We obviously inputted our own tracks, and some of the tracks are, that that we had in mind are on there too. But it was a real collaborative effort. He had, he, but he had the vision. You know what I mean? And he released the Strangers line like two years ago, in the in the winter time. And by that time, we were we were close to being finished a project, but we had to put it on hold for different reasons. And uh, I had my you know my album. I had you know the Sunreal project stuff like that and then Tona had his project so once we were done all that we we got back in the studio earlier this year finished up a couple extra tracks and then really tried to put it together so then tell me you're working with Tona and Adam Baum on this are you working collaboratively together on the tracks at the same time in the studio or are you just is this something that you're working on separately and then bringing together every every song everything was recorded together we were all there. Maybe there was a couple sessions where Brian wasn't there, but you know what I mean? He he was there like 90% of the time. Me, Tona, and Adam Baum were always on the studio recording. We were always like Jameson. Like the, the, the thing about the, 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 it's the significance of, of Jameson in this whole equation was like, that was the drink of choice that we were drinking pretty much every night, every Wednesday when we were in the studio, getting sloshed, you know what I mean? Spitting rhymes back and forth and trying to create the track. So it was like, I feel like there's no way there's no way I could ever do a collaborative project with anybody if I'm not there in the room with them. You know what I mean? You're talking already Adam Baum, somebody lyrically probably the best or one of the best in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, same goes for Tona. Yep. So how much competition is there between the three of you in terms of trying to outwrap one another on a beat, or what, what was that process like? Well, I feel like you know, I mean, it's like maybe low key there's competition, but not really because I feel like. Each man has their own kind of, you know, style. It's not there's no there's no style alike on that whole tape, you know what I mean? Adam Bomb has the couplets and the lyrical prowess, like it's just different. And then, you know, Tona has the lyrical ability, plus it's the flow and the deep voice, you know what I mean, that that catches people and for me, it's just I feel sometimes the outlandish shit I say, also the voice and you know, it's plus my beats too, so I feel we all add different shit in there. But I don't know, like, you know, I, me and Tona were talking about it yesterday. Tona feels like, yo, lyrically, Adam Bomb is better than him, but Tona feels he could write better songs. And then, you know, they'll always hail me like, yo, you killed it, you killed it. But I'm just like, nigga, you guys are my favorite rappers. So I feel like even le- it's it's less than competition, it's more praise. Like, we, we all admire what each other does. So it's like we're always complimenting each other to the point where it's kind of like, kind of sick it's kind of disgusting like yo you niggas should just be battling <laughs> like you know what i mean but like we admire each other's skills that much and i think that's what brought that i think that's what you know what i mean it was low-key competitive but it's like you're, you're we're competing on the same level kind of shit you know what i mean is there any plans for any tour dates between the three of you uh we're, we're planning for a show in january so that's definitely gonna happen um in toronto first but I would love to tour, you know what I mean? I feel it's just it's just a matter of, you know, the music getting out there, the videos getting out there, which, which uh, tiebreaker video is going to be coming out soon. Um, and that's going to amass people to, you know what I mean, want us in their town to perform. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like the demand has to be there for us to go on a roll with it, right? So I'm just waiting for that and then, you know, see where it goes from there. But definitely would love to get on a roll. Take me back to the beginning for you. Uh, however many years ago it would have been, what would have been the first hip-hop record that got you, you looking at it and just, like, got you in love with the culture? Um, I don't know, because, like, I was always listening to hip-hop without knowing it was hip-hop, like, knowing there was a culture there. 
uh, my dad was a DJ, so he always had like new singles. He had like he had mainly hip hop, R and B, soul records, and like CDs and stuff like that. But he also had like indie stuff and rock, alternative rock. He had Nirvana. He had like Soundgarden. He had all these kind of different records too. So. I like listened to everything kind of that was bumping in the house, bumping on radio. So I couldn't tell you exactly what was a record that just got me into hip hop. But like I could tell you the first tape cassette I bought, which was probably volume two. But I, I don't know. Before that, I was feeling Wu-Tang like, you know, what I mean, I just never bought stuff. So I don't know. Maybe it was like Wu-Tang. It could have been could be NWA. It could have been anything really. But it was just I never knew what hip hop was until maybe like seven years old when I started to know that there was like some kind of culture like this is the kind of clothes you gotta wear and this is the, you know you gotta be boy and you gotta you gotta do graffiti and DJ and like you know learning certain stuff about it but like you know hip hop has always been a part of my life so I don't even know the entry I don't know what was the what was the first big one for you then would it have been volume two or or uh, like a 36 chambers or what would it have been it wouldn't have been 36 Chambers because I never listened to the album, but I ha- I knew the singles. I knew, like, you know, uh, Method Man and fucking just like, you know what I mean? Like, I heard the singles, but it was like I never got a chance to take in whole albums because, you know, I can't. I could, at, that, at that age, you know, at five years old, six years old, you can't really break stuff down like that. You know what I mean? You just listen to what you're taught to listen to or what's playing around your crib. But, um, yeah, like... I, you know what I mean? Like, one of my fondest memories is, like, you know, open, like, I liked Wu-Tang, and then when I seen Triumph, I was just like, yo, this is the craziest video ever. And then my dad had the Wu-Tang Forever album that, or it's a, it was a CD that came with a CD ramen there with a video game like you could put in the computer, and I always play that shit and bump fucking Wu-Tang in the back and shit like that, so, and bump it's yours. Like, you know, I, I guess Wu-Tang was, like, the entry into because when I looked at Wu-Tang they were like superheroes to me like every guy had their own it was like the Justice League for black people like you know (laughs) it was like the black Justice League like everybody played their role played their position and you know Method Man was my favorite just because his flow was was, I felt like his flow was illest and I kind of I like Ghostface too at that time too but yeah I I feel like Wu-Tang maybe Wu-Tang Forever was more of my entry in there than um than thirty six chamber, but it could have been anything, bro. I can't even remember. I smoked too much weed. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about uh, what about Toronto rappers? Who would have been the the first major influence to come out of Toronto? Um, it'd probably have to be along the lines of of shock, shock and socks. Um, shock Claire, the, when when I really started to pay attention to what was actually Canadian, like I never really knew. Like I would hear tunes from different places and not know that it was just Canadian. I pretty much thought everything was from the States. And like, you know, didn't really know who was who was from my who was the people in my city doing it. So, you know, and I started watching T V and then seeing like, you know, um uh Let's Ride and and you know what I mean, uh 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 Sox's uh, Money and Love and like you know, what I mean, even when they would throw back to older videos, like father, um, to, um, um, what's the joint with Marvel? I, I, I hate runs deep. Hate yeah. runs deep. They would like flashback to older videos, like for, uh, Backbone Slide, and you know, what I mean, like then I started paying attention. I'm like, oh, okay, these are Toronto guys, and you know, watching Master Master T on on the mix and shit, like 
he kind of tried to make it known like these guys are the guys that are doing it from the city. So then I started paying attention. And it was really like Northern Touch where I was like, okay, I, I started to kind of have a more of a respect for the stuff coming out of my out of my area. Because, you know what I mean, like I was being raised in Saga, so it wasn't really a Toronto thing. Like I had cousins in Toronto, but it wasn't like I wasn't, I wasn't out there like that on my own like that at them times. I would just go out there to visit family, you know what I mean? So, you know what I mean, Northern Touch was one of those tracks where it's just like, I'm seeing all these different guys, you know what I mean? Rascals from, you know, Vancouver, Checkmate from uh, fucking, uh, where is he? Where's Checkmate from? You from Vancouver too? Okay, so from Vancouver. And then I'm seeing, you know, Toronto man's like Shaclair and fucking Thrust. And Thrust, Thrust to me was like, it, it, you know what I mean? The video reminded me of uh, of, you know, uh, the Biggie joint. Um, no, sorry, the Craig Mack joint, a flavor in the air remix. When I seen that video, it it reminded me of that, and I was just like, okay, like we got we got man's doing on that same flavor too. And then I heard DMX use "Get at Me, Dog," and I'm like, yo, why are they stealing our beats, bro? And then it kind of made me have respect, like thinking like, okay, like we make shit, and sometimes these guys be stealing it. You know what I mean? So that that should prove that we got some hot shit up here. And I just started paying more attention, but I feel like Sox was definitely a good inspiration on just rhythm and how I liked hearing the beats. Like, he had a certain sound to it that felt like it just felt funky and it felt like that was the sound of of urban, I don't know, just black Canada. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just it was a sound that I, I would, I, I you know, it later in my life tried to either emulate or just lay my foundation with. Since we're in Kitchener Waterloo at the time, I have to have to shout out Master T would have been the he's from Kitchener and actually himself went graduated from KCI, so cool. give that credit to him. Yeah. Um, how old how old would you have been at the time as those you're starting to pay attention to those rappers? Uh, I'd be like eleven, twelve, thirteen, like around that like my tween years. So fast forward then to uh, Loyola and tell me about battling outside of outside of Loyola. Oh uh, yeah, man! Like I started, like I started um, running with my homie E Man. Um, we met each other in summer school, and he he wanted to start a little rap group. I'd come to his crib, and uh, we'd like record records on tapes and sh- and shit like that, and always freestyle battle. And then eventually, he wanted to battle guys. Battling was a thing in school. Just like you know, we would um, we'd leave our school like, uh, and then there's a bus terminal called South Common where you know. A lot of the schools would just, like a lot of the schools around the area, they would just go to that mall. And there was this cat named Junior, Junior T, who was from, uh, he went to Clarkson. And he would always be at, the, be at the station, like, battling anybody. Like, anybody that brought it to him, he would battle anyone. And there was a next guy from my school named Josh, who was also, like, dope at rap. And I hung out with Josh because he used to, like, he taught me how to sell weed and stuff like that. So... We was, we was chilling, and I always see Josh battling, and Josh had a flow, like, that was so, like, he sounded like, you know what I mean, like, how we would talk back then, he's like, yo, he sounded like an American cat, yo, like, he's dope, like, he had a sick flow, like, you know what I mean, because apparently being Canadian was whack, so, and then, but Junior had this, had this style of, like, it's almost like he knew, he knew how to set up lines, before you say them and I was just like I was always amazed by that I was just like how does this guy do it so I'd always go home and practice and try to freestyle and like 
You know what I mean? I wanted to be in that circle of, you know what I mean, guys ciphering and making people laugh. Because me, myself, I'm already a joker in high school. I'm, I'm, I'm the class clown. I'm the guy that jokes around, like, play pranks on people, fuck around. I do I do all that shit and, and, and like, that attention, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, yo, I could eat these guys. I could jump in there. So, you know, one day, you know, these guys are battling, and I jump in there, and, you know, I'm dissing Junior. I'm, like, battling Junior. Say a couple sick lines, and man's like, oh, 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 you know what I mean? And luckily, we didn't continue past that, and the line was so cold because I didn't have anything else. <laughs> I only had like a eight bars, like I had like a couple like bars that I wanted to say in my mind, and then I had to like freestyle to get there. And then you know, since then, me and Judy were good. You know what I mean? Me and Joshua was good, but you know what I mean? I met I met uh, his homie Crook through that, and then you know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, that was that was really it. Like that's how I met Junior, and I've been tight with him ever since that that time where I jumped in battle. You know what I mean? So anytime I talk about what got me into it, I always mention him because he's 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 not the reason I actually started rapping, but he's definitely the reason why I took hip hop seriously, like the the essence and the art and the style of it, because I seen him like you know really really like take it seriously, like the battling thing. It, w- it was his thing and it was it was real cool and it, w- it was like it was just like I didn't see nobody do it like him like at that time so yeah that's that's, that's what the battles are about what about on the production standpoint what would have been the first sampler that you ever got the first sampler fuck man Fruity Loops man I've been using FL ever since 2001 slash 2 and I haven't changed it up since I've had an MPC 1000 uh Use like different software. Uh, I used like a Triton. Oh no, sorry, a Trinity, Cork Trinity before. But it's really just all been the FL. Everything leads back to the FL. Even when I use that stuff, I would link it to the FL. So FLs from the very beginning up until now. I've been, I've been software. I made like I, that's what I say. I make the software sound hard. That's that's what I do. Moving on, then something that's really interesting about you is the work that you do with the Remix Project. How did that begin? Uh, the Remix Project started when um, I was uh, I had a little group that I was running with called the Rotten Ones, and um, we found out about the studio that was down by Islington and and, and Lakeshore area, cause uh, our homie he he went by Clips. He had a clothing line called Nice, and he wanted to show us what he was working on, cause he was gonna make some jackets for us. So it just so happened to be in the same studio. We went there, um, we recorded a track too, and my homie, my homie Dre Gotti, he was recording his verse, and when he recorded his verse, after he was done his verse, for some reason the computer shut down, like it totally shut down, like they couldn't turn it back on, like it was, it was fried for some reason, and the dude that came and looked at it and tried to fix it, who was the program director, was this man named Gavin. And that's how I got entry, and who ended up being the founder of Remix Project. So is this program, this studio was part of a program called Inner City Visions, where like uh, youths would come in, dropping students, uh, or dropping kids would come in. You know what I mean? Usually at risk youth would come in and record and stuff like that. So we ended up going back there. He he never had a problem with me. He knew we knew we didn't break the computer on purpose. It just seemed to be one of those things but it was just a weird way to meet you know what I mean and we we talked we talked grew a little friendship and stuff like that it's also where I met um Soze uh who was Mayhem's old manager manages Raz Fresco now and um yeah he told me that he wanted to uh 
like run a school, like build a school, kind of like um, like a hub where you know kids from all around the city, not just from the Lakeshore area, because which is where he's from, that could come to one one school and kind of like learn different tricks of the trade of the industry, record, do artistic stuff like graphic design creative design painting whatever it was and i was just like yo i'm with it when you start that put me in it and i was in it from the from the jump so i don't know exactly i forget what year it started but we're on around 11 there's two a year i don't know it's maybe back 2007 it started because that was the time we met and then he actually got me into the like actually the day after we met he brought me to the program like the year after yeah. I mean, like, the day after, and then I got into the next round after. He was in the very first pilot program. So six yeah. years. Then. Yeah, six years. Yeah. yeah. So what, what what makes that project, um, why why do you feel that's, that's a beneficial project, or why is that an important project to you, for you to be a part of? Well, the thing about it is, like, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of youth in the city didn't really have too many, like, outlets to, like, you know, go express their creativity to, like, kind of, like, just go record, go do creative design. Have, kids don't have computers and stuff at that time. So it's just like, you know what I mean, for for a program that, like that to be located downtown where any kid can come through. It wasn't really any kid because, you know what I mean, it, it had to be a thing where it's like you register, you, you go for an interview. It almost seemed like you had to you had to register to get in there, almost like audition to get in there, and they wanted to see if you were you know serious, if you were determined, if you were, had desire, if you were down with working with other people, and you know what I mean like year after year it just built, we just became kind of like a family, and I think that is important because you know with people that may not have the family support at home, a lot of them don't, and like especially me, like you know what I mean a single mom raising me like. I mean, it's good to ha- kind of have a family of like-minded people that come from the same background that might have gone through the same trials and tribulations in the same place, just creating. And, like, that, and that's what it was all about. And when you, when you go into the program, whether you're an artist, you could be an artist, a rapper. You can get your album cover designed by someone in the arts part. You can, you can somebody in the business part can manage you. Like, you know what I mean? It's like so many different angles and pieces to the puzzle. But it's like it's a peer mentorship kind of thing, along with, you know, with, with, you know, other mentors in the business. But it's just a way for you to see your vision and like kind of aim directly where you want to go. You know I mean, people create goals there. You know, what I mean, so that's that's I feel, feel the most important part about the remix project. Like when the kids come in there, they outline your goal, your six month plan. And then by six months, they're trying to get you on that. And even after that, it's like you're always welcome back. This is a quote of yours about Toronto. You said that uh, we've always had something to prove to the world, but never proved it to ourselves first. Uh, could you elaborate on that thought? Wow. Why did I say that? That, that sounds pretty prolific. I like that. Um, yeah, like, because I feel like, you know what I mean, we're always aiming outside rather than, you know what I mean, trying to better our city. Trying to, Like, you know, just the fact that the title or the, the, the moniker of screw face capital exists like everywhere is a screw face capital everywhere is hard to blow not everywhere is easy man like maybe some places but to me it's just like new york city is not the easiest place for an artist to bust there's so much competition you know what i mean so what's their excuse you know what i mean i mean la there's a lot of competition like there's everywhere there's competition so it's like here in toronto there's few guys that were like you know before drake there were there were guys that were on doing it 
but it was like nobody targeting the people. Everybody wants to make a club track. Everybody wants to, you know, make like an international track and make tracks that people would bump in New York or bump in the West Coast or bump in the South or bump everywhere else but here. And I understand, like, you know what I mean? The urban community is not that big here. Like, we, 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 we have a lot of people, but I feel like not everybody in the urban community can vibe with one thing. Like, you know what I mean? We all expect, like, okay, if Drake comes out, everybody has to like Drake. If Cardi comes out, everyone has to like. It's not going to be like that. It's never going to be like that because people have their own preference and style of what they like. But there's something to be said about respect. Like, you just got to respect certain artists that are doing their thing. And I feel like even some artists don't really respect the crowds that they they perform in front of they like oh yeah just give me love for no reason like nah you need to earn that love you have to show them why you are the best show them why you they deserve or you deserve their time or why they should invest in you or even why they should even look at you because it's, it's you know what i mean that's how it is everywhere where else you know what i mean enough people get artists got booed like i i don't there's never been a time i got booed in my life but it's not because I feel like I'm a whack, or I I don't I'm, I never gave a whack performance because there's been whack performances, there's been horrible performances. <laughs> but the whole the whole thing about it is is my attitude towards my audience. You know what I mean? I want them to feel involved. I like them to, like I like them seeing me smile. I like like I have fun. You know what I mean? And I think you have fun with the audience that that's supposed to be your foundation, your city. They grow respect for you thinking like, okay, like this guy is bound to blow somewhere else, but we can endorse him first and be the first ones on him. And I feel like a lot of guys have just, you know, I mean, went directly to the States and kind of skipped this whole, like, re- let your city respect you first before you move on anywhere else. And like, at the end of the day, you do it however you want to do it. Because if it works, if it translates to success, when you do that, when you move to a next country and make it. That's that's the path you were destined to go in, I believe. You know what I mean? But there's always something to be said by you know what I mean. There's certain guys in the city that get respect, and that's how, and that's that's just the way it is because they they've built their foundation here, and you know what I mean. Anywhere else they go, or people from other cities they come here, and when they, when they tell them like, yeah, this is that guy. Yeah, this guy's big, but this is that guy. That speaks volumes. You know what I mean? At least to me. You know what I mean? Like money is money. You know what I mean? Success in sales is whatever. But, like, you just got to have the respect of your city before you go anywhere else. It's just, I feel like that's somewhat mandatory. You know, another interesting thing about Toronto, um, been described, the general feeling is that uh, throughout Toronto's history in hip-hop, at least, whenever there's been someone, like, let's say starting with Maestro, whenever there's been, there's only really been room for one guy at a time. So when it was Maestro's time, nobody else was really on Maestro's level. When it was Shaq Claire, he was the only one getting shine. Uh, you know, same for Socrates, same for Drake now, same for Chaos too, when it hit was his time. Mm. Why do you think it is that there's there's only really been room for one person at a time? I don't really believe it's really been like that. There's been there's been guys simultaneously doing it. Like while Shockler was doing it, Rascals were doing it. We me and Nana kinda had this conversation. Like, cause I was telling them our like and it was actually me, Nana and I James Jones, uh Nana's group, uh, the names are known. We, uh, I asked him, I was just like, yo, do you feel like there's eras of music in Canada? Like, is there the maestro era, then the Chaclair era, then the whatever? And then he, he was pointing out, like, but well, what about Rascals? I'm like, oh, yeah, forgot about them. Like, Rascals were, you know, they were doing their thing after Cash Crop. 
they started getting a lot of movement. And at that time, Shaq Claire got a lot of movement. He was doing his, um, he did his stuff on that premiere tape and then, you know, then hit with Let's Ride. And at that time, Rascals were doing their thing. And that's what made uh, Northern Touch so impactful because these guys were all doing their thing at the time. Cardi was doing his thing. He, he had... He had his singles out. Like, I feel like there was more of a push for Canadian music from the labels at that time. And all these guys had their little label deals. So it's like when they came together, it seemed like it seemed like a little bit larger than life. You know what I mean? I don't feel like it's always one guy. I feel it's, it's who the masses are paying attention to. And, you know, at the same time, like, Drake, yeah, there's... there's, there's Drake is definitely the biggest artist, but there are a lot of guys that are low-key doing a lot of big things in areas where, you know what I mean, he's not really at, you know what I mean? And, you know, like, the, 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 main, the mainstream is the mainstream. That's never going to change. Like, you know what I mean? There's always going to be more sales. There's going to be girls. There's going to be, uh, you know, the fans. You can, you can do big concert arenas, but at the end of the day, you know what I mean, just because that's going on doesn't mean... Other niggas ain't doing their thing too, you know what I mean. So I feel like there's there's always guys doing their thing. If it, if it's on a like a bigger one's on a bigger level than the other, it's all based on what that individual does. And Drake has put in that work. He's been grinding. He he did it a different way than other people, but his way was you know what I mean writing, you know what I mean studying around the legends that were around him and taking it to the states, and you know what I mean trying to connect with other people. And when he did that, you know what I mean he got on that way. There's been a lot of artists that are as skilled as him, but just kept it in their area and never really spread it around. So maybe, you know, it's, it's just a difference on how, how you promote your music and where you promote your music, and that's how far you get. But there's always more than one guy doing it. You brought up Junior T earlier. I want to ask you about Crooklyn. This is something that I was talking to him about, um, and I believe you were there for this. So when he went out to L.A., he was telling me about going through Dr. Dre's studios and seeing uh, the mixing, a little bit of the mixing process for Good Kid, Mad City. Uh, tell me about your experience with that, and if you were there for that. Oh uh, yeah, we were there. Um, basically, uh, we had a, it was randomly. Um, I was trying to link up with with Kendrick and his manager. Uh, we couldn't get a hold of him for a while, so we were just out there doing our thing. And then he hit me up randomly and said, "Go come through the studio one night." So we went to the stu- we went to the studio. It was like right across from the, the Universal Publishing Building, uh, which we we've been before, so we knew the area, but we didn't know like where the studio was. We went down an alley. We went down the wrong alley at first. He's like, no, next alley. Went down this next alleyway, which took us to the back of this studio, which we didn't know was a studio until we got inside, and then we just see all these pictures of Lady Gaga and Dr. Dre, all these Interscope artists. You know what I mean? It's a Beast by Dre studio. It's a Beast by Dre studio. So, you know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, okay. And then I see one of Kendrick's dudes that I've seen before. I'm like, okay, bless. And then we go in there stool, and then, you know, it's Kendrick mixed by Ali, Soundwave. Um, huh? Rep One. Rep One. And, and, um, and then Dave, Dave Free, who's um, part of Digiphonics. And, uh, yeah, we were just chilling there. They were working on um, Art of Peer Pressure. And they, they were working kind of on swimming pools. And they are working on the on the... No, not the intro. It's the um, it's right before the, 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 the what's the clip of the dominoes? The, the clip of the dominoes. Yeah, 
clip right before Peter just don't kill my vibe where it's his parents kind of like arguing back and forth. Okay. Yeah, so we about the do yeah, the dominoes thing. And you know they were um they were arguing about it, about whether they should keep the skits. If the skits even served a purpose, because Soundwave was like, why? Because Soundwave did, um, bitch don't kill my vibe. So I guess he felt like, what's what's the point of these skits? Like they don't serve any purpose. Like, what do you? And then Kendrick's like, yo, it's part of it's part of the story. It's a movie, like short story. And they're just go, go going arguing back and forth. Me and Crook are just rolling blunt, smoking, you know, passing Ali, and we're just basically just taking in what they're saying. I I didn't want to like chime in too much. On what I thought, because I'm just like, you know, it doesn't really matter what I think. I think everything is sound dope once it's all put together. And Kendrick seemed like he knows what he's doing. Like, you know, just for, from just listening to Section 80. You're like, like, like sitting on a, like a high chair. <laughs> like I remember. Like, oh, oh, Kendrick. Kendrick. It was like a high stool. Yeah. And he was just there perched, like. Just there. Just quiet. there, like, just taking it, taking in, like, all the music. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, but no, nah, it was a good experience. And we were there for hours. Like, I was actually there to show him, show him beats. And we just ended up staying there for like four hours just listening to them mix shit. Yeah. And then I'm like, won't even lie. I was like, I, I was kind of nervous. To, I was like, yo, can I play you guys beats or what? Like, I didn't want to disrupt the vibe. But then I kind of figured, like, yo, if you called me here, what did you just call me here to just listen to shit? <laughs> but like, I, at the same time, like, I, I, you know, I was, Kendrick was starting to become one of my, you know, my my favorite rappers at the time. So I'm just like, I'll just here be here. I, I'm glad to just even be here. So in the meanwhile, you know, I just put some beats in a folder, you know what I mean, and put them aside and gave them to Dave. And you know what I mean. Um, they picked a couple beats that they that they felt. I think they recorded a couple joints, but um, they never made it. But it was it was just a good experience just being there. So yeah, you submitted beats for that album. You submitted beats for. Drake's albums in the past, and um, you said that you know even despite those not making the album, uh, you've used that as a motivating tool. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, like at the end of the day, so like you can't, you're not gonna make every team that you try out for. You know what I mean? You're not going to accomplish every single thing you go for. But I feel like that just made me feel like you know my my output has to be even stronger. You know what I mean, I have to create more diverse stuff. And just more output, you know what I mean, and focus more on the arts of create, the art of creating a beat, and even just the sequencing of a beat to make it feel like when a, when when an artist is listening to it, they can already picture themselves on it. You know I mean, um, you know, what I mean, because they chose beats and they already rhymed on. I feel like, yeah, I know how to do that already, but just perfecting that that skill, you know, what I mean, because I can never control whether a guy puts something on his beat or not, but the end of the day you know what i mean i could make it that much better if i set up the beat in the right way for them or i give them you know make a beat where it has enough space for mc to rhyme on like it's just all that kind of little stuff but you know what i mean like i never took it you know what i mean to heart but it just made me and it never made me resentful either it just made me think like yo i was this close i was always on the cusp it's frustrating but it just makes me want to just do more of my own art as well too like spit on my own shit show these niggas how to rhyme on my shit cause it seems like these niggas just like listening to the beats and then just chill there and like yo this beat's so tough but you know what I mean that's where it stays you know what I mean because maybe it has too much stuff going on in the beat or maybe it's just it just sounds better with no rhymes but I have to show these niggas how to rhyme on my beats so then it becomes a little bit more viable to them it becomes a little bit more understandable you know what I mean 
tell me about where you stand right now. Uh, what's what's the better option for you right now? Uh, going and looking for something like a major label placement, or are you more more dedicated to the independent route and staying on the independent route? What's, what is more beneficial to, to you? you? My artistry? Yeah. Like yeah, what would be more beneficial to you? Well, like, I've already fucked with the machine, and I do it independent, too, so it's, it's just whatever, like, whatever kind of works for what I want. It's always going to be what I want. It's never going to be what they want. That's, that's, that's my formula, like, you know what I mean? It's what we want. You know what I mean? You got to work on our terms. If you don't want to work with us, then we can work by ourselves, and we can get it done. I believe it. I believe in us, so... You know what I mean? It's it's and when I did fuck with the machine when, when me and Some Real did that project, it was because they're like, Okay, you guys already did already there. We want you to create something, we'll put some backing behind it, we'll get distribution from Universal, we wanna make an E P, we want you to get, you know, uh nominated for a Juno or get Star Maker or whatever whatever their goal was. My goal was just to make the a project that would appeal to Sunreal's fans, my fans, and still keep our essence in there, you know what I mean? But be a fun record. I wanted it to be a fun record, and so we, when we got together and went to LA and did it, like that was the main that was the main focus. When we got out of there, we we came out with more than an uh, EP, came out with an album, and you know what I mean. Got it to got it nominated for a Juno, got it you know a, a joint nominated for for a video, like you know what I mean. It it, it did what it did what it, I wanted it to do, you know what I mean. It, actually more. And more. More. It, no, it did more what I more than what I wanted it to do, or what I thought it could do. Yeah. Now, um, I believe you can tell me actually yourself. This is just what I had thought that uh, you have another album, a solo album with Black Box. Is that right? Coming out yeah. next year. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell me about that so far? Well, so far, like you know, I mean, I, it's crazy. I was I was just with uh, Cardinal Fish out playing them some joints. And he was he was feeling it like I was just telling him like yo what do you think what do you think I need he's like it's not I don't know <laughs> you got it it's just more what you want you know what I mean so I feel like this this the project is 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 you know personal I always make shit personal it's 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 a record where it, like it's 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 humanizing you know what I mean I I want to I want to come out like I'm not no larger than life person I don't play myself to be so that's gonna be my rap persona. But the thing that may separate me from other people is my bluntness, the way I approach it, my energy, my attitude, you know what I mean? The fact that I create everything around this whole artistry, around the raps is, is me, the sound, and the quirkiness to it. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like I'm a witty guy. I feel like I tell one, two jokes. So, you know what I mean? Be comedic, but then still at least be feared lyrically. Like, nah, he ain't the one to fuck with. And, you know, really ain't the one to fuck with in real person, too. Like, don't fuck with me at the same time. Like, you know, I, every every essence of what makes me a person, I want that to bleed through the music. So it's, like, just pure me. You know what I mean? And I don't really know how to explain it in one box because I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not a boxed-in person. You know what I mean? So I guess it's just, you know, it's just going to be the multitude of different things that I can, I can, I can say, that I think of. You know what I mean? That's what, in my opinion, was. It was just all, a lot of my thoughts and stuff like that. So it's going to be like that OD'd. You know what I mean? You got a title yet? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. I don't have a working title yet, but that usually comes like three weeks before. before <laughs> like the day before. Yeah, it'll have to come a bit sooner. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> as, as for the, <laughs> as for the uh, you've been working with Young Guru a little bit on this album. 
What have you learned from him? Uh, really, he just gave me advice. He gave me his critiques. He helped mix some stuff. He will be mixing the record. Um, and, like, you know, just a little bit of mentorship. Like, he believes in what I could do. He believes in the raps. He definitely believes in the beats because he's the one that called me out. And we had to, we, we tried to, we made the effort to link up with him after he mentioned us. Like, you know, he, he really showed love before we even met him. So, you know, I mean, his role is just playing mentorship, and he, I guess he he knows talent. He 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 has like a lot of different MCs and producers that um like you know unsigned or whatever that that he checks for. He's he doesn't sign them. Or it's not it's not like a money thing. It's just a respect and talent thing. You know what I mean, and it's mainly because of the the record that I placed on J Electronica's I don't know when's gonna come out record, but. Yeah, it was that 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 drew him to me, and the fact that he heard I could spit too. He's just like, okay, he's dope. So he's just playing that mentorship role, just really like just engaging himself and trying to have some influence on, you know, what I mean, the sonic uh, aspect of it. Not necessarily what I talk about, because he knows he can't really. It's not a control thing. It's not really. Oh no, you should talk about this. He wants me to be myself on the record because he, he heard, in my opinion, he was like, yo, that Uncle Tarzan thing. Like, I love how you put your uncle in there. Like, you should put your... Like, you know, he's just telling me, do more of me. Be more of me, which is the best advice anybody could give anybody. One other project that you're involved in right now, uh, executive producing Socrates' upcoming album, Season 2. Yeah. What can you tell me about that project? Uh, it's not really gonna sound like season one, and it's gonna sound more like updated Big Black Lincoln shit. I like to hear that. That's yes, it. Uh, final question for you then: When when all is said and done, what would you like your legacy to be? Uh, just just the dude that influenced the whole generation to think forward, think skeptical, and to like you know, I mean, be brave and be proud of who you are, like in terms of where you're from who you are as a person, whatever, whatever you are, like, you know, whatever race or whatever. Cause you know I mean? My whole thing about this whole shit is like, you know, it's like, I don't want, you know, when someone says, yo, that sounds Canadian, it can't be a negative connotation. Like it can't be that anymore, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, when you, when you say something sounds Brazilian or something sounds French or something sounds fucking middle Eastern or whatever, it's, it's never a negative connotation. It just sounds like that stuff. Yeah, you know I mean, it's not another. It's neither good or bad. It's sometimes like if it sounds American, you know, what I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe it sounds good. I don't know. But when it sounds Canadian, it sounds bad. But maybe that's the people from in here saying it. But I don't want that to be said anymore. Like I want, you know, what I mean, like Drake has done his thing, and he's he's you know, he's utilized the American culture to to to, to his advantage, and pretty much mastered the game over there. I want to, you know, be able to do the same thing anywhere around the world and say, like, this is Canadian output and it's fucking dope. You can't tell this nigga nothing. Say, so like, he sounds Canadian, That's that means it's good. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Any last words from you? Uh, free Rob Ford. Um, it's our way. MBS project out right now. Tiebreaker video coming soon. Uh, Rich Kid Solo coming soon. And uh, fuck Addy. <laughs> well, there you have it. If you want to know more about Rich Kid, you can go to thecomeupshow.com. We've got all his latest music and videos, including his Naturally Born Strangers release, plus lots more. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Come Up Show. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman. 
Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>